I'm in Canada. I feel like that's how I want to start. We're like, I'm in Canada. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm riding a moose. Oh, I saw a bear. Tim Hortons. That's the big thing, right? Tim Hortons. I don't. I, oh, yeah. I don't even know what Tim Hortons is, though. Is it like. Well, a, okay. So I'm not actually. But we we want to come back and actually go to Canada just to get Tim Hortons. I know it's a really dumb thing, but we have no real reason otherwise to go to Canada. So I'm like two thirds of the way to Canada. If you start, if you consider the bottom of Minnesota zero. I'm like 66%. Okay. I'm at like 30%. Wait, where? There's a third There's a what third the of Hortons? Minnesota between us. Uh, Donuts and coffee, I think. I think it's like their Dunkin'. Don't we have a Tim Hortons here? I don't think so. I'm looking it up. They might have some like, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe Minnesota then. That might make sense. They might have yeah, a few. Because I, I feel like I've had Tim Hortons. Uh-huh. You said Donuts and coffee and it reminded me. Yeah, they have 3,700. They have 550 locations in the U.S. What? Yeah. I feel like I've been lied to. I feel like, well, I've never had one. I mean, I haven't either. I don't know where. Probably somewhere when Laura and I were on a vacation or something. Dude, okay. Mm. Switching topics. I was reading uh, in one of the Stack Marketer emails that Google's Discover feed, people have to find out how to rank in it. <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah. Oh, I saw it. Yeah. I saw it briefly. Keep going, though. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, sounds like people have finally uh, figured out how to rank in it. And it turns out what they're doing is just plagiarizing the web stories in the Discover feed and just like totally ripping the content off and, and publishing it and so the entire discover feed is just plagiarized web articles just rip and post yeah that's <laughs> did you i told you about um i can't remember the guy's name now i can't even viral nova is that what it was this was years ago now i know glenn over at viper chill posted a thing on it too where the guy was making like 400k a month by himself yeah. um and i think he was he was outsourcing he had a couple guys i think that he was outsourcing some writing to but it was basically a giant hack on the DMCA, the what, Digital Millennial Millennium Contract I, Copyright Act. I think that's what it's called. But basically, you post ripped content. Somebody hits you with a DMCA request saying, hey, take this down. You copy. You stole my stuff. You're like, oh, yeah, okay. And then generally, the, the idea is that you have 24 hours to do so. And with how the internet works, within 24 hours, you've made the bulk of your money. So sure, after 24 hours, you comply. You say, oh, I'm so sorry. I took it down and you've already cast your check. So um, I don't know if people are doing it as much anymore. Oh, except you didn't want to do that when we got hit with that legal action for using someone else's image. You're like, oh, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a story for a different time. I think I, I think we do have that. Like so. we were also that was a we were very small and going up against a giant. So it was really just a gamble on do we want to play that game? Yeah, you did some research on this law firm. Like this law firm had essentially sued and won against some big companies. Can we say that on here? Can we say who the companies? Uh, I won't say who. I'll say, but I think it's enough to just say textbook companies. Yeah, like you've <laughs> in high school, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, and it didn't matter if they won or lost. It was just like, hey, we've got the money to play, and we were like, we do not. So here's <laughs> we do not have that. Here's our set that money to play. <laughs> <laughs> that was a rite of passage, though. I feel like. Yeah, we we grew up. Like... <laughs> well, we should get into episode. Uh, wait, is this eight? This is eight. Episode eight, which this episode is all about getting your clients to understand your value, and what we mean by that is, well, after episode seven and or six and seven, which is how to find clients and then how to land your first sales. After those followed with pricing your services, now there's a period of having this client as a partner and having to actually deliver the services. So the problem that we have kind of run into or learned about 
is when you have a client, it's it's a never ending sale with that person. So you always have to make sure that that client is understanding their value in order for them to stay with you. Otherwise, they're just going to leave soon uh, or within a few months. And we've had situations where clients, they sign on with us and within a month or two, they're gone because they didn't understand the value or they didn't understand what they were being sold. Uh, But it, it was a testament to one, our marketing to acquire the person and then our sales to actually turn them into a a client of ours. But then during the process, you know, and some of these clients weren't even angry at us. They weren't even upset or anything. They're just like, yeah, well, I'm just not seeing it. Like we're going to leave. And that's, I guess that's fine. But at the at the end of the day, it's not the client's fault for not understanding the value. It was ours. So I remember that Cody, there was a time where I remember where I was in my car just because I was, I don't know why, but I was on my way to work from lunch and we were texting you. I can't remember. One client was leaving us back when I lived in Kansas City and they had some concerns. And I remember like us being frustrated. We're like, because this is like literally, this is what you're getting. I don't know why you're not understanding this. And, but I remember texting you like, well, that's because we are not demonstrating the value and our clients just need to see the value but if they're not seeing it then that's our fault for not showing them what they're getting can't remember what client that was though i don't know because just it's like uh it's such a frequent problem for agencies in general i feel like um but any time that you hit that we're like uh i don't want to get overly salesy because there is a lot of legitimacy to it i'm very much a devil's advocate like i could see both ways with this uh well you're not conveying your value properly so the client doesn't understand the full scale of what they're getting um <clears throat> But then also the flip side is maybe there was a, a miscommunication in the matchup at some point where, because I, I think those people who leave before the three month mark usually don't have the, their ducks in a row with their finances. Yeah, that's a big thing too, is getting your clients to understand your value. Will act, it starts in the prospecting phase, making sure that your client is a good fit for you in the first place. We even have on our website now that you have to have some technical savviness. We're not going to help you figure out how to set up an email on your phone. And we have found historically that those clients aren't very good fit for us. And they end up leaving pretty soon because they don't understand a simple concept like that. They're not going to understand a more complex concept that has to do with their marketing efforts. And yeah, that's a callback basically to when, when we talked about uh, pricing models, right? If you, if you're an agency that works with retainers and you are happy and okay, offering that sort of consultative service, then that can work really well on a retainer. It'll sound and feel really dumb because you'll think I'm getting paid this much to teach someone just like I would my grandma, how to set up email on your phone. But yeah, you do. And you make that much money doing it. Uh, and you can go that route. That's okay. But whereas for us, and it would be similar that way too, but that's not our value sell. So yeah, when we convey our value, it's not that. That's not the angle that we're going for. What we're not explaining to people too. But. Yeah. It, that, and that was another point too, which was uh, like the first point here I had, be clear about your offer. So our services, for example, aren't just, I don't pitch them anymore as just marketing services or just SEO and Google ads as our, our foundational packages. I also include it as like, hey, we also do your site maintenance. If you have any other kind of ad hoc site requests, we do that. You know, the reports that you get from us are pretty extensive. They're are not extensive, but they're 
cleaner and more accurate than most reports you're going to get out there because a lot of agencies just report on useless things that just don't matter but ours are very clear and concise and they're customizable to an extent you know you want to see different things in that report that's fine but there's been kind of uh this shift because before it was the focus was on hey we're just going to get you leads which is still the primary focus but then i can say that to prospective clients and then also say but we'll also take care of your website and your just digital assets. And that way you don't only have a lead generation team or marketing team, but you also have an insurance, a digital insurance team that is going to ensure that your stuff doesn't go down or break or anything like that. Because if that happens, our lead generation efforts just, they don't work. But I always kind of like focus on like digital marketing. I should, I I also want to kind of bring in the aspect that we, this could be a podcast for like coaches and consultants, like, just business coaches and stuff in general. And the same thing goes for those services too. It's harder to understand the value of something that's more subjective or I guess intangible, like coaching or consulting or um, even like branding, like if you were a branding agency. But that's when the expectation, this is like the perfect time to be clear about your offer and set the right expectations at the start of the relationship. As soon as they get in and they're not seeing results that they didn't disclose with you that they wanted to see, then the client's not going to be on for very long. The next thing I had was give objective feedback. So this this was actually your point. Yeah, uh, because so just in general, I think the big thing to remember is that flip your position and think from your client's point of view. And all of the hard work that you do behind the scenes, they mostly don't see. Um, they're not looking over your shoulder. You're not an employee. They're not you know, watching you do all this work. Mostly they see what you communicate to and with them. So with reports and things like that, or emails or phone calls, that sort of thing, I think it's really important to remain objective and to just give them information because a lot of the time they just want to learn and you're really doing them a disservice. If you are blending in sales with just the information that's good to know because they're not dumb. They can make their own important decisions once you teach them the basics uh, and give them more information. It's it's also just a really good opportunity to show that you're an expert when you can talk in an educated way on these topics because anybody can give a simple straight answer for the sake of doing that, but it's not sufficient for what they actually need. And when you give it objectively, they learn, uh, they appreciate you more, and it helps build a relationship. I think it kind of goes back to when we were working at the agency together. I would come to re- yeah. come to you with reports and be like, "Hey, the bounce rate is increasing. This doesn't look good because the numbers are red." And you'd just be like, "I'd be like, is that bad?" And you'd go, "I don't know. Is it like, <laughs> like bounce rate can be good if the if the entire purpose of your page is literally just to provide a piece of information and require no action from the user? Then yeah, bounce rate is good. But there's other things too, like." Our clients can say, hey, our cost per acquisition or our cost per lead is really low. That's really good. And from an objective standpoint, we can say, is that good? Like the cost per leads are low, but how is the lead quality? Because we don't see that on our end. And so if you ask questions like that, it could do two things. One, it can open the door for criticism. It can The client can say, well, these leads are terrible. But then that in turn opens a further door that says, okay, well, what can we do to better these leads? And that keeps that conversation open with your client that you're actually interested in their business and not just collecting their money uh, and and providing, you know, leads, even though they're not really good. That's one of the best places you can be, right? Isn't it? If the, my leads suck. I think that's amazing when you're at the spot of my leads suck because you're in no better place. 
like of all the things you could be complaining about i I just always want to send him the glenn gary when i can't do it because obviously that would totally kill the relationship but that clip from with alec baldwin from glenn gary come ross where he's like the leads are weak you're weak um (laughs) (laughs) because it's a legitimate thing sure bad leads uh let's focus on places that can get better leads and that sort of thing but it's not you know like there's levels of it you can go down another step so here's another one that would be very common is well my site traffic is down it's like okay yeah so you have less visitors right you have less total sessions whatever but say your conversions are the same to me when i see that especially if you're running lots of paid traffic campaigns i think okay you bought crappy traffic i don't know where you bought it from but you've got people who aren't interested. That's yeah. not terrible. If, if you want to go after two separate goals, you can't. <laughs> not really. You can, so if you want more site traffic, okay, let's we can go buy traffic. Give us your money, we'll go buy it. I won't say it's good. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know if it's bots. You know, there's a whole mess with that. But if you say, if you start going after that and you say, whoa, our conversions went down, our conversion rate dropped. Um, we haven't seen as many leads. Well, you went after two different things. So like, let's agree on the one thing. And then it's really easy to show that value then. Yeah. And zoning in on that one thing because if if they come back and say well and if you feed into it if if they express concern over one thing and you say oh yeah no that's concerning let's look into it as opposed to yeah uh that is a thing but remember what are we really focused on and it's weird consultative things like that that again show your value to them very strange because it seems like just business sense um but it it really does there are instances where like saying that is bad let's look into it is good and it it is legitimately when you don't have an explanation but there are like what cody was saying was we've had clients where i've i've used this tactic before where the site traffic dropped month over month well one or in a seasonal industry and (laughs) month over month yeah site traffic is going to drop especially coming out of the spring season but the conversion stayed the same or they went up by like one even if they dropped Let's say the traffic dropped by 50%, but the conversions dropped by 20%. Well, your conversion rate is actually higher now than it was the previous month because just because of the ratio. And then so I'll do that math and I'll say, look, we can't control uh, search volumes. We, we can't control people's search out there. But the traffic that we did get and the people that did make the search converted at a higher rate now than before. So what that's telling me is, one, your ads are better targeted, while your competitors pulled back ad spend, we stayed strong, uh, kept serving to the people that were that higher intent. And then, uh, two, your your landing pages still kick ass. Like, our client sites get 10 to 30% conversion rates, and it's insane. Granted, if we went out and bought crap traffic, I'm sure that would drop very oh, quickly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, so yeah the second thing i i was gonna say before you rudely cut me off was something rudely yeah it was it was something that you already an, kind of answered in your own way but it was the second door that it can open is your client just respecting you for that honest opinion and i actually was just having a sales call yesterday it was like my second or third sales call with this guy but he was telling me that he's not he's upset with his agency because there are things changing and there's no communication so last year his cost per acquisition around this time was $35 per lead. And then this year it's like 170. And he's like, yeah, if it goes up with inflation, like I get it, but like no one's saying anything. Well, it's probably not going to go up that much, but yeah, Google ads prices do increase every year. But one, one big thing was he's spending $3,000 now, but he wasn't last year, like per month. And we, I mean, we've, we've covered in other podcasts before that, you know, if you raise your, uh, your, your, uh, budget up to an amount that's kind of oversaturating google's just going to raise your cost per click for you to get the higher impression share 
mm-hmm. which is going to result into a higher cost per acquisition. Even if you're getting the same number of leads, you're not getting more clicks. You're just, you know, that's happening. But his agency isn't communicating that to them or they don't have someone senior enough or in the weeds enough as you are, Cody, who knows this information that can communicate to him. So the biggest reason he's looking on switching is simply because of he understands the value in us and he doesn't get the value from his current agency, uh, which kind of leads me into the next one a little bit, which is uh, it cl- include the idea of your services in your pitch and on your sales collateral. And what we mean by that is if you just say, yes, I can do this, this, and this, and this, but you don't focus on some of the other things that aren't really immediately impactful, like what we do, which is site maintenance and reporting and things like that, that aren't necessarily marketing focused. If you include that up front and the client knows like, hey, this is the value you're getting with us, then they're less apt to question it later on or not understand the value later on. So the biggest example is being, we had a, I think we were, I was just talking about a little bit ago, we had that client that was not understanding the value of us, but we were also hosting their site. So it's like, well, part of the value isn't just, you know, making sure that you're constantly getting leads. It's, it's making sure your website's always up and running. And that wasn't a concept that was communicated to them prior to them being dissatisfied. And I think at that point, it was kind of too late anyways. So if you include those values up front, then, you know, you're the client's less likely to leave. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that we've learned, I think, in a big way over the last year or so. And we've we've made, we've done positioning changes now to make this more clear, um, just like we're saying here. So that makes sense. Uh, where a lot of the phone calls we were on, we were being evaluated purely from a marketing perspective, which is good. <laughs> And I, I want people to do that. That's, that's a good thing. We like that. But also then reminding them to make sure that they remember too. There's an administrative element to the work that we do. And we just include it when you have marketing services with us. So just so people understand if they don't, if we've never explained it fully, really just website work and maintenance that is logistical. We take care of quote for free when clients do marketing services with us. And then if they want to just continue marketing services, they can jump down to a you know, a website maintenance package that they just pay for by itself. But we do just include it when they are doing marketing services. So yeah, we've we've made that more clear lately, but we did have to remind a lot of people and we had multiple calls where people were like, oh yeah, I forgot. (laughs) Those those are literally the words like, yeah, uh, no, I I forgot. And that's a serious thing. And I need to think about and consider that because, you know, if we weren't involved with that, then they would have to think about, okay, um, Somebody has to do this internally in my company. I either have to give this task to somebody or I have to pay someone. And if we do it, then that's one less thing that they have to worry about. So we have changed positioning and made that more clear. It's even outlined a lot better in our sales materials when we send off that stuff to the client or to the prospect. Yeah. Uh, and to piggyback up that uh, off of that, it reminded me of another thing, which is understanding what isn't included in your value. Because part of a client understanding your value is not just them understanding what all is included, but all also understanding what isn't included. And you remember February twenty twenty one? I try not to. That <laughs> was a dark. I was yeah. so dark. I tell people about that, and like, don't do what what I did, what we did. Yeah. So just a backstory, we got slammed in February 2021. I can't remember if we talked about this in a previous episode, but uh, I we both had full-time jobs at this point, and 
Cody was, or we were both putting in, you know, 40 hours at our full-time job and then also like an additional 40 per week on Evergrow. And we had... Well, I was going to school too. I had already, I had negotiated to drop down. to So I was actually 32 at day job, but also going to school, which took more than, <laughs> than the 40. And then we were doing this. So it was absolute yeah. hell, but yeah. keep going. And um, then we had a part-time uh, employee who eventually turned full-time in the summer but that was awful and on top of that we actually had our first client big spending client that we had to fire because they didn't understand what wasn't included in our value and that was mostly our fault for not not recognizing that and not portraying that but they wanted just a bunch of custom requests a bunch of things done in a certain amount of time like building specific landing pages and editing multiple pages on top of the seo that we were already doing and the site cleanup that we were already doing. And granted, we were behind schedule a little bit on the onboarding. I mean, probably like a couple of weeks out of a month and a half budgeted. But we took a bit of verbal abuse from the client. And it got to a point where we're just like, hey, this isn't a good fit. And then you basically sent them a termination email and said, hey, we're, we're done. We can't do oh, this no. anymore. And then he ended up calling you and uh, yeah. you two hashed it out. But, <laughs> But either <laughs> that's a nice way of saying that. But yeah, uh, ultimately we step we parted ways. There was no bad reviews or a bad thing said afterwards. It was just like we're not a good fit. Find someone else. And that now now there is a very strong emphasis on what is not included in our value. And I actually the client I was just talking to yesterday that I was mentioned a little bit earlier. The oh. only reason why we're having three sales calls is because the first two I was very clear about what we did not offer in the website building period, uh -huh. and then he wanted clarification because he just wanted to make sure that we're still the right people to go with. And then I've had this talk with multiple other clients before too, or I guess between the February incident and then now. And so far we haven't run into that again. We've come close. But we've squashed it before it could if it could get there. I'd rather had not have a client than have one that is insufferable. Yeah, I was I wrote this down as you were saying it because I think from a business perspective, it's important for people to think and see things this way. And it's that usually, depending on what kind of entrepreneur, I don't have a better word, so we'll just say entrepreneur, entrepreneur that you are. Um, you either have a tendency to want to do one of two things. I think you're the kind of person that will. I've, this is the infinity of you. I don't know. And anybody and everybody will either, when, when a big opportunity comes, like the, a whale, really big fish comes and you're like, okay, um, I'll say yes and I'll figure this out. Or there's the, I'm going to pull that completely and say, we don't service people your size. I think the best is a middle ground where you, you're just honest with yourself, the size of your company, and you know what you're capable of taking on. And you gradually take the levels up as you're given to them that don't jeopardize the stability of your company. We've, you and I have both worked at agencies that whales came along, upper levels said, yep, we'll take it. We'll figure it out. Everybody's life became hell. Rapid hiring, panic, overwork. They lose them inevitably because everybody's, you're always, all clients will leave you eventually on a long enough timeline. It's going to happen. And then, and then what? You got to make up the money somewhere. Everybody's panicked about their jobs. So, a stable way just keep it keep your your finances in check know what you're capable of taking on internally hours wise that sort of thing um 
And I think it's especially important to say this for agencies because you compare this to things like manufacturers that don't see the same level of market saturation that we do. Um, our industry is very competitive, very, because they have no shortage of options if they don't want to work with you. They can go find somebody else. And because of that, there's a tendency more to say yes and then sort it out. But if you hot take Tesla, how long have people been waiting for their cars? They still haven't received yet. That's a good example of the Cybertruck. Uh, well, you could put in orders last year and they're they're not producing them until 2023. And you do that because what are your alternatives? Yeah. Uh, Partly. Well, it's not a great take. It's yeah, not no, great. I mean, I get it because <laughs> I, I want a Tesla solely for the fact that they've built such a great charging station infrastructure, not yep. because of their cars, because other competing EVs are just as good, if not better, probably more pricey, but the, the infrastructure is just that much better, reliable. Wait. Even so, there's only so many electric car manufacturers at this time. So they have more room to negotiate. But know your value to the point that you're at least comfortable pushing back and not just saying yes, figure it out, because just do it with moderation, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say I had two things that I wrote down, which was that a really good way to lose employees and also to to experience burnout and not want to do this anymore is by taking on terrible clients. Uh And if you can sniff that out, if they're going to be a pain, if they're going to contact you every day, if they're going to be upset with you and you're you're too afraid to fire someone over a bad review, then by fire someone, I mean a client, uh, then don't take that client on. I know know the short-sighted dollar signs are very appealing, but I mean, take it from us, we learned the hard way. It, It actually wasn't that hard. I mean, yeah, it sucked to deal with them, but it wasn't that hard to just say, okay, you're fired because we already had the mentality that we're not going to bring this client onto our team and then expose them to our employees. We want the frustration and the burnout to stop at us and not our employees. Yep. Um, and the next point was, yeah, the client that we took on was a whale. They weren't a small, like average client. They were our biggest client at the time. And I remember telling you, Cody, that I I was like, I am not going to have a client tell me how to run my business. And by that, I mean, allocate our labor hours away from other clients in order to focus on them. And I said, as soon as we let a client manipulate us or uh, dictate how we run our business, we have become every agency we set out to not. (laughs) We've even turned down uh, franchise opportunities to do SEO and marketing for national and international franchises there was that cleaning company we almost got handed to it was a referral and they wanted to go with our our buddies at another agency and the other agency was like now we'll refer you and it was pretty much i mean i i guarantee you we could have closed that and said yeah let's do this but you were you kind of assessed it and you're like i don't think the amount of work that we can do is going to make a significant impact enough for them to really care given our size and limitations and like we would need a big team and then then we run into the same situations that you have which is hire a bunch of people to execute all of this because i mean there are probably thousands of pages on that website and and hundreds of location pages that would need to be optimized that means hundreds of of google business profiles and and then what happens with that client leaves we lay off everybody because we can't afford them i mean if people are venture backed i guess you know uh maybe that's the way to go <laughs> if it's not your money if you're not bootstrapped but i think you mentioned this before we even started talking and i want to say it too because it's a very it's a very good and terrible way to describe doing this so i would call it terrible dating advice and that's you set the expectation very clear and very early what the reality is 
And then everything you do above and beyond that point is impressive. So it's like saying I'm an asshole and then you do one nice thing and all of a sudden you're amazing. As opposed to coming in as the nice guy and tripping up and now you're disappointed. So for clients and, and positioning of services and explaining your value points, I think, because with the whale client that we had gotten earlier, like Jacob said, we had messed up some too. And that was with positioning and being clear and transparent with some of those things to tell people, this is our current size. These are our constraints that we're working within at the moment too. So someone of your size is going to be a little bit of a stretch for us, that sort of thing. So at times you might see us have potentially extended waits compared to normal as we implement various requests, that sort of thing. And if that's going to be a deal breaker, then okay, I want you to know that and Let's be clear about that from the start. That way, if that happens later on, we didn't deceive you. You weren't surprised because you knew our business's position. And I think, again, when you come with that sort of transparency, brevity, they appreciate it, especially if they've been doing business for a while and they have the understanding and perspective of how business actually is um, run and how they like to do business too. Some people are, are workaholic freaks. Um, we work hard, but we, we've also both hit the point where the work became not worth it. So be careful of that. Yeah. I was going to say, um, yeah, sometimes you mentioned being like, you know, be honest about your, your constraints and sometimes it's good to be small to land clients. Some clients don't mm. want to work with big businesses. We have a competitor that brags about how big his staff is. That almost sounded funny. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but he, he does. He, he he brags about how many um, employees he has, quote unquote employees, because most of them are part-time contractors. Right, which but, you can't. I'm pretty sure legally do that. Yeah. Um, well, he says our staff. Our staff. Oh, staff, staff, yeah, staff. Okay. Staff 17. Maybe that gets you through. And so I was like, that's probably a turnoff for a lot of your target market. I know who your target market is. I know who's in your Facebook group. And I just talked to this guy yesterday. He does, uh, he's one of our larger clients, just full disclosure. I mean, we're not shy about things, but I mean, there's 10 million in revenue, a little bit over that. And he wants to work with a smaller company because like, like he said, he keeps getting passed off to a junior account exec and he wants to talk to an owner or someone who actually knows what they're doing. And in fact, the first time we were talking, he didn't even know I was the CEO or part owner of Evergrow. He thought I was just kind of like a sales guy. And so he even asked like, who's going to be working on my site? I'm like, uh, I am. Yeah. And eventually it's not going to be that way. And I was clear about this with him yesterday. I said, uh, uh, you know, eventually we're going to we're going to have account managers, but we want to do it a little bit differently where our account managers aren't the people that the salespeople pass off to. They are the salespeople and they know what they're talking about uh-huh. because I don't want anybody talking to you that doesn't know what they're talking about. And this is exactly why our employees right now don't talk to clients. Not yet. We've got a long learning period. Well, I don't want people talking to employees that that just learn the things they need to learn in order to talk to them. I also want them to actually be invested in digital marketing and SEO. And like, I want the career path to be that before they start. And then just to not like keep focusing around agencies and marketing, but like even coaches and consultants, like part of your restrictions could be that you don't take on businesses that are too big or uh, because and, and or businesses that you're not confident because of their size or their uh, or your lack of experience in that industry um if you are a business or if you're a business consultant for like small local service businesses like landscaping businesses or like uh, hvac uh service business yep. maybe don't take on a law firm or don't take mm-hmm. on a clinic 
like a medical clinic or something like that because you don't know HIPAA compliance. You don't know a lot of these things that, you know, are legal things that you've got to kind of tiptoe around. And that's okay. Just be clear about that. Set that expectation and, you know, go back and listen to episode two. Pick your niche. And just doing that kind of sets that sets that value apart. But another thing that I've done too, we had that one client who were like, oh, you're, you're landscaping and lawn care focused. That means you're experts in landscaping and lawn care. No, we're not. <laughs> yeah. We're experts in landscaping and lawn care marketing. Yep. And we can write the content. Like we know the content and the images to use pretty well. But at the same time, we're not going to tell you the ratios of nitrogen, oxygen, and phosphorus that are in <laughs> your fertilizer. I don't even know. No, nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus. I, I don't know. I don't even remember now. I got to look it up. Yeah. I got opinions on it, but they would go down a rabbit hole. I'll save them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now that's in the pitch, too. It was like, hey, we write the content, but you approve it because we're not experts in your field. You are. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, too. Yep. So just to kind of round it off, I, I think... We'll leave you guys with some examples of things that we've done to help our clients understand the uh, uh, value that they're getting with us. But we've also taken some feedback from clients, too, on what would be valuable. So the first one was just letting them know that, hey, we don't just do SEO and ads uh, with the marketing. We also do maintenance at your site. We are your insurance for your digital assets. Your site's not going to go down. And if it does, we'll be there on top of it to fix it. And we'll be up till two in the morning doing it. One of the pieces of feedback that we got, though, was that the reports weren't super valuable because the keywords that we were tracking at the bottom of it. So our key, our reports are uh, total metrics, organic metrics, and then paid metrics. And then underneath that, it, it, or underneath each of those organic and paid metrics, it also talks about the different keywords they're ranking for. And that's pulled from Search oh. Console data. But uh, the tool that we're using, Raven Tools, doesn't do keyword data very well. If there isn't enough search volume, it just will exp- exp- uh, just have a null value for it and just have nothing in there. So we can either have a randomized amount of keywords in there they're ranking for that have improvements and uh, declines just every month. Or we can track a specific set of keywords that we've designated. So there's service plus location and different variations in order, but 90% of them are going to just be null values because there isn't enough data for Raven tools to pull in, which I don't understand why they can't. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. In case they listen to this, uh, my guess is that you guys limit how many queries you're pulling from search console into Raven tools so that you're not dealing with like that's a lot of computing power and be a lot of data to be pulling so like maybe if some of them have less than 10 impressions or something i don't know what your cutoff is but that'd be my guess that they wouldn't because for some of them it works some of it doesn't and that's the problem whereas if um if you look directly in search console you'll see those things very clearly because you're looking straight at google's data so there's probably there's something up with the, the integration yeah well, that's why we switched to but, we're switching to Google Data Studio. Yeah, um, but yeah, so clients were saying that basically their query reports and most of the it's the Search Console query reports are not particularly helpful. And we looked at it and we were like, "Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> this isn't this isn't how we would like it to be either." Yeah, so we changed that, and that's helping them also understand the value now. Now, when search traffic is down and leads are down, we can show them. Yeah, but your rank is improving. So part of the value isn't just delivering numbers. It's also showing improvement regardless of the numbers. Now, if everything is down, even rank, yeah, then there's a problem. Then we suck. And we're honest. 
think that's all I had. Do you have anything else? No, it's probably good. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening to episode eight of the Ever Bros podcast. See you.